Our text this evening will be read from the book of Luke, uh, chapter 7, verses 40 through 43. That's Luke 7, 40 through 43. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing, nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I, su- I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. We see here, and we, in our own lives, we will experience adversity. We will experience difficult times. We'll also have misfortunes in our lives. But I think quite often adversity can be the driving force in our life. It builds us to be stronger. And we will truly face adversity through our lives. We know we, we often we, we like to be given things. You know, it's, it's Christmas time, and everybody likes to receive a gift. But you know, when you have to earn something yourself, it is much more valuable. Because why? Because you put the work in to earn it yourself. We see here a, a Pharisee. This Pharisee, he desired to have a meal or to eat and to talk to Jesus. This also speaks here of a woman. We know that this woman was a sinner. And she heard that Jesus was sitting here with this Pharisee. And this encouraged her to go to this house. Around her neck, it says that she wore a a vial that would have been a uh, of a kind of a concentrated perfume, also called an alabaster, and that would have been something of value and something that was costly. And we see here that she began to wash Jesus' feet. She wiped them with the hair of her head. It even says that she kissed his feet. We see here that this account or or this story, it demonstrates two different types of attitude. We see an attitude here of the Pharisee. The Pharisee, he felt like he was a good man. He felt like he was a good man in the sight of God, and he needed no forgiveness. We also see here the woman. This is a complete opposite. She knew she was a sinner, and she knew she needed God's forgiveness. It mentions that the the Pharisee, he spake 
within himself. It didn't mean that he said it out loud, but he was thinking when he was seeing what this woman was doing for Jesus. He was actually thinking that if Jesus was a prophet, why would he let such a sinful woman wash his feet? And Jesus answers this question. He answers it with a a story. He said there are two debtors. One owes 500 shillings and another owes 50 shillings. And we see here there was a lender. This lender here represents Jesus. And he completely, this lender, forgave both of them of their debt. And the question was asked, which of them, therefore, will love him the most? Quite simple answer. Simon's answer was, the one that forgave the most. You know, we have to learn to appreciate things. We have to learn to appreciate the things that God has done for us. It doesn't matter if we have a lot of sin or a little bit of sin. When we come to Christ, he completely forgives us of all of it. This week I was thinking, and I realized that, uh, I guess I would say that I'm a fourth generation apostolic. That makes my kids going to be a fifth generation apostolic. I know at least on my mom's side, my family had been Christians long before that. I know that my family, they, uh, they were Mennonites originally. They, they lived in the Netherlands and because of persecution, they found themselves moving to Russia. And then from Russia, they migrated to America. And I know that they face adversity and great persecution. But through that, they became stronger and stronger, and they appreciated the things that they had here in America. But I've been thinking lately, what is the difference between a first and a second generation Christian. You know, we know what a first generation Christian is. It's somebody who was called out and out of the world into the church. It's generally, some people might say it's like a, a U-turn story. It's a completely turnaround. As a kid, I used to love to hear what I would call the old timers testimonies. I used to think as a kid that my testimony was quite boring compared to their testimonies. But you know what? There is no such thing as a boring testimony. I realized that as I got a a little bit older. And really, as as I got older, I also realized you don't really want to have an exciting testimony. That comes with a A lot there too. But because of that, the person that is forgiven much will appreciate it very, very much. We also have what we call a a second generation Christian. That is somebody who is raised in the church always. You could say a third or fourth generation Christian. 
but they always know the truth and the teachings of the Bible. This is the category that I would fall within. From a, from a young man, I knew the truth. From a young man, I, I always knew that I needed to be saved. I knew what it was to be saved. I knew what it was that I would need. After I got saved, I knew I needed to be sanctified. I knew that after I was sanctified, I would have to get my baptism. These are things that I was taught from my youth. And I truly appreciate that. I still remember, and I, I've quite often said in my testimony, I remember the very first time that the Lord spoke to me. I remember over there at the tabernacle, I remember the Lord convicting me of my sins. I looked over at my mom and I told her all the bad things that I had done. And I hadn't done many bad things because I wasn't very old, but that was conviction. And I'm thankful as I got a little bit older, I realized that just can, uh, confessing to my mom wasn't going to save me. I'm glad that as I got a little bit older, I realized I needed to confess to the Lord. And through that, the Lord saved my soul. But a first generation, and this is kind of a, uh, a silly saying, because I think sometimes as, as we get second, third generation, we may not always appreciate everything that we have. A, a business saying, and it's quite silly, and it doesn't always, truly doesn't completely play out, but it'll say the first generation in business makes it, the second generation spends it, and the third generation blows it. But it doesn't have to be that way. Even as a second and a third generation, we can truly still appreciate what the Lord has done for us. Just this week, I, I had the privilege to go to Ellis Island with my family. I had visited there before, but this time we, we decided I wanted to do what they call a, a hard hat tour. And normally when you visit Ellis Island there in New York, they only let you go to kind of the main hall area. And there's a lot of other structures on that property also, but you don't get to visit them unless you sign up for this special tour. And we realized this last time. So I said, if I ever go back to New York, I want to do the hard hat tour. So this time we did the hard hat tour. We got to see a bunch of the different buildings and, and walk through them and there, there's not a lot left of them. They had, they kind of, when they closed it down, I think it was like in 1954, they just kind of abandoned it for a while. I guess the um, Coast Guard took over for a little while, but when they left, they just kind of left everything behind. So it, it, most of the buildings are very, very run down. But one thing that I learned as I was looking around and as they were telling us about Ellis Island, I realized that people faced a lot of adversity. They went through a lot of things to get their families, to give them a better opportunity. You know, during those times, it said that um, Ellis Island, it was the, the busiest immigrate inspection station in the United States. It was from 1892 to 1954. Nearly 12 million immigrants went through that port. And I know that I have one family member that went through that port. It also said in 1750, which I thought this was quite interesting, uh, when they were migrating in, and this wouldn't have been through Ellis Island, uh, they still used the stars and primitive compasses to guide them across the ocean. It said the ships generally traveled to six, six miles 
two, I sorry, I said this wrong, two to six miles per hour, which was quite slow. And that was depending on the weather. It said a trip from Europe port to the United States took about seven weeks. You know, as we were, as we landed, we landed Wednesday night, as we were driving home, my wife and my kids, they said, let's not go on any trips for a while. That was a really, really long flight. And it was only about a, a six hour flight. I, I, and as I was thinking about that today, I was thinking, I, I guess we might be fourth, fifth generation travelers. The first generation travelers back then, they, they would have appreciated a, a six hour trip uh, across the country. But you know what? I, I'm thankful that we, we had the opportunity to visit that. Um, but they, those people, they were seeking opportunity. We know because of that, there was economic pressures that forced them to leave the country and move to North America for better opportunity. Even one sign said there that it mentioned it was called the promised land. It was called, you know, because there was such overcrowding and a scarcity of land, it forced people to leave their land and seek new opportunities. The people that came to this country, they truly appreciated the freedom they had. Why? Because they had went through so much where they came from. They faced so much adversity, so much heartache, that they truly appreciated what they had. And we truly also want to appreciate what we have. But adversity will always come in our lives. You know, being that it's uh, the Christmas season, I was thinking of Mary and Joseph in the Bible. If anybody you would have thought would not face adversity or heartache would have been Mary and Joseph. But we know that's not true either. One thing I, I realize as, as a Christian, or even if you're not a, a non-Christian, we will face adversity. There will be problems. There will be heartaches in our lives. But we have the promise that God will be with us. He will protect us. And he will give us peace. And through that, we will be stronger. We see here the, the Mary, an angel, it said, by the name of Gabriel, gave news to Mary that she will have a baby. Mary asked the question, how will this happen? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. But we also have to remember this account. Mary was pregnant and not married at all by this time. We know that this would have brought disgrace to her. This would have brought disgrace to her family. Mary could have even been stoned for this. But we see an attitude here in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. Her heart was in the right place. She was willing to do what the angel asked her to do. You know, we see the same thing here in Joseph. When Joseph found out that she was pregnant, we see that he was going to break up the engagement. We can see that Joseph was a good man, because it says here he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. But we know that when Joseph was asleep and he woke up, we know that an angel came and appeared unto him and commanded him to marry Mary. 
That is diverse adversity. That is listening to the Spirit of God and willing to go through the troubles that might have brought unto them. But it didn't stop there. We see that Mary and Joseph traveled from a village of Nazareth to Bethlehem of Judea. We know this would have been about a five-day journey. They were doing this because the Roman emperor decreed a census should be taken. Mary was expecting the baby very soon by this time. Most people that are expecting a baby probably would not want to travel a five-day journey. But when they got to Bethlehem in the Christmas story, we know there was no lodging. There was no nowhere to stay, nowhere, no hotel available for them. This is more adversity. You would have thought that, you know, that somehow, some way for Mary and Joseph, it would have just all worked out perfect, but they still had to face adversity in their life. And it didn't stop there. We know that King Herod realized that the wise men had outwitted him. And we know that he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in around Bethlehem that were two years old and under. We know the angels appeared to Joseph and told him to get out of the, and to flee to Egypt till all that they, and he will tell them when they can return. So we see here three examples that even Mary and Joseph had to face adversity. But through this, it made them stronger. Through this, they became a stronger Christian. In the same way it will happen to us, through adversity, through heartache, through troubles, it will make us stronger. And we will truly appreciate things more through that. In closing uh, tonight, I, I, I mentioned that we were in New York. Um, in New York, there is a, uh, a large Jewish population. And as we were walking up and down the streets, I, I think my wife said, we were there for four days, and I think we walked close to 40 miles. So we found ourselves walking quite a bit. But one on that uh, Saturday night, they were, uh, a lot of the Jewish people, they were celebrating Hanukkah. And they were going up and down the streets, telling people, Happy Hanukkah. I even got asked myself three times by three different people if I was Jewish. I'm still not sure why they thought I might be Jewish. And maybe they were asking everyone they were Jewish. I, I Maybe I should have asked them that. But as they were going around and they were excited and, and telling everybody Happy Hanukkah, it really challenged myself to think, wow, where has the world went today when I know that in schools they, they try to teach the kids that they can't say Merry Christmas. They try to teach the kids, well, it's, it's happy holidays. It challenged me to, me to make sure that, you know what? It's Merry Christmas. That's why we do what we do. We celebrate Christmas because of Christ. We celebrate Christmas because Christ came to this earth and because he died for our sins that we could have the hope of heaven. You know, I want to make sure as a Christian, I'm challenging myself that I am more bolder, 
that I am, that I appreciate the things that the Lord has done for me, that I don't find myself falling into the traps of the world, but I find myself sharing my testimony and being where the Lord would want me to be. In one last verse in closing here in Joshua 1, 9, it says, I have commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whatsoever thou goest. I love that. Be strong and be of good courage. You know what? When we do what the Lord has asked us to do, if we do what the Lord has commanded us to do, we can come to, we can be bold because He will help us to be strong. He will help us to be of great courage. He will also help us not to be afraid. We don't even need to be dismayed. The Lord will be with us and the Lord will go before us. But saying that, we know that adversity will come to us. But through that, and like I said, it doesn't matter for first generation, second generation, whatever generation we are, if we just take the time to thank God and to appreciate everything the Lord can do for us, we will truly find joy through that. So may God bless you as we go to prayer. The song is 577 and the altars are open.